Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Spreading the word of the Lord through music ministry on Gospel 107. We're live on NHISG 101.1 every Sunday. Gospel music from legends Lee Williams, Rance Allen, and Shirley Caesar. Join us for Sunday service delivered by Pastor Regina Johnson, Pastor Russell Moore, and Pastor Johnny Ray Noble. Bible study with Pastor Aaron B. Williams. And Christian Talk Radio with Pastor Annetta Watson, Pastor Annie Sally, Pastor Warren Sally, and Benita Coney. Gospel 107, every Sunday on Never Had It So Good, 101.1. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. So I guess I'm a little bit more out of sorts than I thought because I misplaced my phone and um, just found it. Uh, Praise the Lord. (laughs) And me, who insists on having a landline as well, have a landline uh, or something like that, uh, it's disconnected right now because we were moving furniture in my office. So anyway, can't let the devil win. Hope you all are doing well. Thanks so much for being with us today. So, um, and I'm sorry about not being with you yesterday. Some things came up, but we did the right thing. And I have to commend my husband, Reggie, for being the good Christian man that he was and, and, and is and just uh, stuck with me yesterday as we were trying to do some stuff for um, a couple of people. Um, 
and uh, you know some young people who needed our our uh, assistance and what we could do, and um, we we're glad to do it. <laughs> but I would say, well, we'll say as sixty plus people, don't try to move furniture. <laughs> get some help. Get some younger help to do that. So. Anyway, we are, are grateful that we were able to, to help, and um, we so we had to take that day. My husband had the day for another reason, um, and that's why I'm commending him, because it was not the day he planned. Um, it really wasn't the day that I planned, but, you know, things happen, life happens, but you do what you have to do. So we thank you all for um, bearing with us, and uh just want to talk about, uh, and I miss. I have the number. I had the number. I'm going to get the number. You know, this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and uh, I had the hotline up, and I wanted to uh, make sure that um, we have that for you um, in case you are a, a victim or you're questioning what. Sometimes we we question whether or not we are a victim because, you know, the, 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 there are certain behaviors that we kind of overlook sometimes. And we think that uh, it's okay to, have, you know, for certain behaviors to exist. Um, how we talk to people, uh, you know, and, and I mean, we've gotten to so loose with our um, how we deal with people that sometimes we don't give them the respect that they are due, and it can evolve into other forms of um, abuse. You know, and, and you know, we we were so used to the, I guess you could say, nursery rhymes. Sticks and stones might break, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not true. That is not true. And so, and like I said, we've gotten to the point now. We've gotten so fast and loose with our conversation that we lose respect for our fellow human beings. And sometimes that can evolve into something worse and something in the form of abuse. The National Domestic Hot Violence Hotline um, is 800-799-7233. That's 800-799-7233. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I will try to post it for you on the G's Power Hour Facebook page so that um, you will have it, uh, you know, and, you know, just lock it into your phone. I mean, you may not be a victim. You may not think you know of a victim right now. We don't, unfortunately, know what goes on behind closed doors with some of our families and friends. So, if you know, you, you, we're going to try to talk about the signs of domestic violence. And um, today we're going to have on a person that takes uh, this matter very, very seriously, and she's going to join us. Um, her name is Lisa Alexander, and her organization is Stand Up Survivor. So um, keep our number handy if you want to talk to her during this hour. The number is 516-387-1944. That's 516-387-1944. We're going to take a quick break. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the architecture. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Chill out jazz. Are you chilling? 
Love your hair but hate the damage? I love my waves, but it gets rough. It's like a tug of war. It's big and curly, but frizzy. This color is so me, but so dry. Whatever the damage, dove your hair. Dove Intense Repair deeply nourishes hair for our ultimate damage protection. Green and beautiful. So smooth. Yes, the curls, no the frizz. For our ultimate damage protection, Dove Intense Repair. Dove it, love it. Hi there. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, the number is 516-387-1944. Uh, we also are, are talking about domestic violence today. We Also, just keep in mind, there's like so much going on. Early voting starts Monday. Please, uh, in, in, in at least Orange County anyway, early voting starts Monday. So please um, make sure that you are registered, that your information is correct. Um, and so, we are, so we've got that going on. It's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's also National Bullying Prevention Month. So please keep all of that in mind. But uh, today we're going to talk about um, the domestic violence, and we have with us Lisa Alexander with Stand Up Survivor. Good morning, Lisa. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so grateful to have you on today because I know this is, you know, something that is more than than just a, a topic of conversation that we deal with once a month. This is something that you've taken to heart. So, first of all, can you tell me how what was the catalyst for you to start Stand Up Survivor? Absolutely. So good morning. Thank you so much for having uh, me on this morning. Survivor, as a result, coming out of my own marriage, my first marriage, um, where it was abusive. So I met, you know, I met him when we got married. We met at church, and I just figured this was, you know, this was it. You know, I, I was leading worship, and he worked in the sound booth, and I just assumed I was just really thankful. I thought this was wonderful. Um, but shortly after we got married, that's when this abuse started. Um, just like controlling me, things I did, what I wore, where I went, nothing that screamed abuse. Um, and then when I got pregnant with our daughter, our first child, that's when it became um, physically abusive. Um, and statistics show that, you know, during pregnancy, um, domestic violence either begins or increases, and that's exactly what happened in my situation. Um, and I was still very stunned that I was being physically hurt by my husband, um, and so it didn't really register that it was abuse. Um, and four months after I had my daughter, I got pregnant with my son. And then I just knew I was stuck. I just, there was no way that I could go anywhere with two young children. And, you know, he convinced me that no one else would want me. So I was stuck. And even still, you know, I, I still wouldn't have called it abuse. I didn't know what it was. Um, and that's kind of where it started for me um, experiencing domestic violence. So Phantom Survivor for me is really personal. And, you know, my parents have been married, what, 54 years this year. Um, I, I've watched a healthy relationship all my life. I grew up in the church. I, I heard, you know, that God hates divorce. And so for me, divorce was terrifying. Um, but what happened in my situation is that the abuse just continued to escalate, as abuse does, um, which I tell survivors all the time. It doesn't just get better one day. Um, and it got to the point where he was just beating me so bad that I knew that he was going to kill me. And I remember telling God, I was like, I don't want anyone else to raise my children. That was like one of my biggest fears um, because he would beat me in front of the children. Um, and, and this is what they saw on a regular basis. And I was just like, I knew it was more of like a 
when he was going to kill me, not an if he was going to kill me. And I just had to decide to save my own life. Um, and in the middle of the night, one night, I escaped with my two children, and um, I was able to go to my parents' house. Um, and then, you know, the story kind of goes from there. But that's initially what, what um, how my journey connected with Stand Up Survivor. Wow. I, want, I need to ask you some questions before we go of on course. to what Stand Up Survivor is about. Yeah, I, I I get it in terms of you know you you make these vows before God, you find a, uh, what you consider a God fearing man that you think is going to love and respect you and be the, the Christian person that that you've been taught yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. he's supposed to be, and and then then this happens. Did you were there signs? Do you did you look back and say, mm, I should have known. This this was an indicator. Was there something? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's a really good question. You know, hindsight they always say is twenty twenty, right? And so mm-hmm. looking, you know, I was young, I was naive, I was obedient. I really, I really was just trying to do what I thought was the right thing. And when I look mm-hmm. back, it's like he he grew up watching his dad be abusive, right? Um, and so he was like, I saw this thing growing up, and this is never going to be me. I'm the exact opposite, you know. And so, and I didn't know too much about that. You know, abuse was never something that I really saw. Um, and so as I look back, you know, I noticed some of the signs, but there was nothing. Oh, I should have known better at that point. And I, and I say that because we're not educated as teenagers even, or adults much less, of what domestic violence looks like. That's not mm-hmm. healthy. This is healthy. And so if, you know, if you have this check mark of what is unhealthy, maybe you're able to kind of pinpoint it. Um, and so I would say there weren't a lot of signs that I can say that I saw Looking back now that I know what abuse is, I would say absolutely. But before, no. No, I, will, I, mm. I didn't know. So that's why education is so important. It just is. So I have to ask you another question. This of is a course. little personal, and you don't have to answer it. Mm-hmm. You talk about having your first child mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. having your second child. Mm-hmm. So my question, not knowing the situation or anything, but I just mm-hmm. feel like it's important people know. My question is, if there was abuse prior to the first child and with the first mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. how did you end up in a situation, I'll just put it that way, where you were conceiving a second child? Did you, was mm-hmm. there like some sort of reconciliation? Um, you know, did, did, was there a lull in the behavior that made you feel comfortable enough to, to have relations with him? And you'll find survivors who have five or six children and you're like, well, what were you thinking? Why did you keep getting pregnant? Right. I mean, so it's mm-hmm. so much more complicated then. So I'm excited to answer this question. I mean, there's no question too personal, so don't worry. Um, and so this, you asked a great question. It was a reconciliation. So there's a cycle of violence where things are really good, and then you start walking on eggshells, and then the explosion happens where they're violent, and then they apologize, and there's like a honeymoon phase, but then it starts all over again. So I, I want to, you know, to the listeners, and I really want to share how important it is to recognize that abusive relationships aren't always abusive. There are times when things are good. There are times when things are great, but we know as survivors of abuse, that it's coming back again. It's, there, it's inevitable that the cycle will continue to repeat itself. We don't know when. We have hopes that it's never going to. We've heard promises and lies and, and, and all of these things that make us believe that they're going to change. They're going to get help. They're going to go to counseling. They're going to stop. They love me. They love their family. 
So these are all the things where, so there's reconciliation happening all the time. The reconciliation can happen within a matter of minutes or hours or days because it happens. They apologize. We forgive. We go on with life. A lot of reasons. We love our husband or our partner. We don't want um, to get divorced. We don't want to raise our children without their father. We don't have any money. So we're hoping to make this thing work. And that's what happens. And that's how the cycle of violence happens, you know? So and oftentimes right, there because... is also where abusers will force their, um, their victim to get pregnant. They won't allow them mm-hmm. to use protection. They won't allow them to be on birth control. There's also forced conception as well in abusive relationships. Uh, I was thinking about what you said, though, because if if you if the marriage falls apart, if you don't hold it together, if you you're not you know perceived as the ideal family, then you're considered a failure, and you don't you know in, in a lot you know on on a superficial level, and you don't want that you know you, in addition no. to everything else that's going on, you don't want that added stigma. I'm assuming absolutely, there's so much shame with divorce. Mm-hmm. Even as a victim of abuse, there's shame. And when it shouldn't be. Right. So um, did did family and friends know? Did you have anybody to kind of pull you aside and ask, are you okay? Did you have anybody to pull you aside and say, you know, I kind of think this is what's going on? And if you did, did you deny what was going on? Yeah, so my mom has, is a pastor. She's a woman of God. I remember one day she said, we're in the kitchen at her house, and she goes, is he hitting you? And I was flabbergasted because I just knew that no one knew. Like, I knew that. How did she know this, you know? And so I was like, of course not. I completely denied it, adamantly denied it. I was standing up for my husband. Of course not. Why would you even say that to me and kind of brush it off? But inside I was just mm-hmm. shaking like, oh, my goodness, how did she know? And so this is the thing. Oftentimes, Victims of abuse protect the abuser for several reasons. Number one, because they still love them. Number two, they don't want to break up their family. Or number three, they may, they, they plan to go back, you know. And if I tell you something negative about my, about my partner, you're not going to forget it. I might. They won't. Um, and so mm-hmm. I had close, two close friends who knew about the situation. Um, and I just said, I know that's kind of hard to understand for people. But I wasn't ready to leave. And oftentimes, and I tell people this all the time, you can't make a survivor leave. You can't make them leave. They have to be ready. And until that happens, they're not leaving unless they're forced to or unless they don't make it out alive. Um, And so, yeah, some people did know, and they did their best to help me get out. They were there to pick me up in the middle of the night. I ran out of apartment one time barefoot with nothing on just my, you know, whatever house clothes I had. I ran out with my children in my arms, um, escaping the abuse. So they were there to help me. You know, begged me not to go back, but I did. Um, so, yeah. So, um, wow. Did do you think that he thought that he loved you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I genuinely loved him too. You know, I was with him since I was nineteen years old. So, of course, I did. And that's the thing. And I, and I want people to understand that that love does actually exist. It doesn't. It's not always fair to envision with this person, and that's oftentimes what victims are holding on to, the, the, what they thought would be or what they hope life could have been or would future be. But, yeah, absolutely, I do believe that there was love in our relationship. Absolutely. So how did this, I guess, end? Did you leave him? Uh, was there an incident where, let's say, law enforcement had to be called in? 
Uh, what did it get to a point where you had to go to the hospital? What happened? So I, I did call law enforcement at one time, um, and I remember when I shared this part of my story, it's like I, I just decided I'd never call them again because they told me if I called them again, they would take my child, and that's when I had one child, and I wasn't willing to lose my child, not even to save my own life, um, and so I didn't call them again. But the, the reason I left is one night um, I was he had, you know, he'd gone off on us, and he went out, he left the house, and I was watching a woman on YouTube share her story about being in an abusive relationship, how she got out, and how she was remarried and, like, happy and living life. And that's the first time that I had ever thought to myself that there was this life after outside of what I was living. I literally thought that I was, because I said I do, because I had these children, because divorce was not an option, I have to stay like this forever. This was my fate. And it's the first time I had heard that that didn't have to be the case. And that's the night I packed up my children and I escaped uh, my relationship. And I'm not going to tell you that I walked away and everything was great. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't love my husband or want my marriage or try to fix it. That's not the case. But what I, re- what I did learn was that he did not change. He wasn't going to change. Um, and that I had to save my own life. And that's, and that's what we did. That's what I did. And uh, when we were in the relationship together, you know, he didn't let me go to school. Going to school wasn't an option. Um, I had started school a long time ago, but he didn't want me to go to school because he'd accuse me of cheating with him or with the professor or whatever he could create. And so in order to prove that he was, I was loyal and faithful to him, I did what he told me to do. Um, so when I left, I escaped with my children, and I was assigned an amazing advocate from a local agency um, who's our clinical director here at Stand Up Survivor. And I went back to school, and I did my bachelor's in psychology, my master's in counseling psychology, and I'm finishing my, my dissertation for my doctorate degree right now with a research focus on domestic violence. So I always encourage survivors that there literally is nothing that you can't do, even if you're fighting and crawling to get there. My kids were two and three when I left. Thank you. My kids Mm -hmm. were two and three when I escaped, and they're 14 and 15 now, and just, you know, amazing human beings. Um, So So, uh, you said they were two and three when you left. So they Mm -hmm. really, do they have any, do either of them have any any recollection recollection at all in terms of, the behavior toward you? Well, my daughter does. Um, there were often times with, I mean, my children got a, a bird's eye. They saw everything. There wasn't, he wasn't the kind of person that would do it behind closed doors. He absolutely did not care that the children were there. There were times where he literally picked the children up, put them on the bed as they, and he, and proceeded to beat me while they watched. Um, and so even in utero, and I tell survivors this too, children are impacted. What, what happens to the mother? I was beat my entire pregnancy. You know, and so my children have, were affected by it. They're great kids now, and I always tell survivors, like, your children continue to heal as you continue to heal. They're as great as you are. So your healing process is imperative to theirs, you know. Um, and I got remarried in 2016, and we have a little girl named Joy who's almost five now. And um, that was my first pregnancy that I experienced that wasn't physically abusive. I remember wanting to literally die during my pregnancy because the pain was so intense. Um, and so, you know, we get to show our children what love looks like, um, what love should look like, and, you know, what they should expect it to have in a relationship. So. I was going to ask you, you, you kind of answered it, but um, mm-hmm. the, my question was going to be, did your previous relationship and the abuse tarnish your attitude toward having a new relationship? I mean, you have a new relationship. Was it difficult to go into a, a new serious relationship? Oh, absolutely. I would say healing has got to be, and that's one of the things that Santa's about we focus on healing. 
Because otherwise, I could have found myself in relationship after relationship after relationship that was abusive. Because I have to fix me. I have to figure. I have to heal. I have to close up the wounds within myself. And that a lot of that looks like laying at the feet of Jesus. A lot of that looks like just like allowing God to really do a transformative work inside of me. You know, people ask me, how did I do it? I say, Jesus, don't ask me if you don't want to know, because that is the real answer, you know. But the healing component definitely has to take place. And I tell survivors that all the time. Did I know? I have, I have a loving father. I have an amazing dad. So I know what love looks like, you know, and I'm blessed for that. So when I was dating again, yeah, I mean, I didn't get it right every time, you know. But when I met my husband, I just knew, you know, and it, 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 made, it was easy because I knew who I was. And that's how I was able mm-hmm. to determine what it is that I, that I wanted and was willing to accept in a relationship moving forward. But what I didn't allow it to do was make me bitter. And I didn't say, oh, never again. I will never love again. And, you know, and, and I feel like it's a, you're robbing yourself because if it's something you really desire to do, well, heal yourself, you know, and allow, mm-hmm. allow God to do his part. So, so I'm, I'm thinking that, um, that a woman or, or man who is also mm-hmm. an abusive relationship has to kind of come into themselves before they can have a relationship with another person. And what I mean is, is that, Sometimes we're not, even though we're adults, we're not finished growing into the person that we're we're confident in being, you know. And because I think that we have are in, are because especially if you're Christian, you're thinking the two become one. That you kind of lose yourself in that process when you get into a relationship, in most definitely a marital relationship. But I, I think that you can't come into that relationship until you, are, you know, you have all, you're equipped, that you know what you're bringing to the table, that, you know, you're confident in yourself, that you're bringing your true self to the relationship, and, you know, and, and you're bringing the person that's going to be respected by the other person. And I think we get into these situations where we, the other person has, we think the other person not necessarily on a superficial level, but we think in some way the other person is supposed to define us. What are your thoughts with that? Oh, absolutely. And I think oftentimes coming out of a relationship where we've been broken and we've been hurt, we're kind of looking for someone to help us with those wounds. And, and it's just not possible. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I truly believe that there are some people who come into your life and help you heal along your journey. But it really has to be an mm-hmm. introspective kind of process. It really has to be introspective. No one completes you. you got to complete yourself. You know, you have to know who you are right. before you can walk alongside someone else. One thing that abusers do is they break you down. And so you can look at someone and say, oh, my goodness, she was so strong and so powerful. How did this happen to her? Like you would not believe the different types of people and positions that we, that we help as better survivors and victims of abuse. And what happens is they slowly chip away at the who you are. Are you sure you like your hair like that? Maybe you should do it this way. Are you sure you really want to dress like this? I really like when you um, look like this. I, you probably could lose a little bit of weight. Maybe you should stop eating so much. And then you start to con- love you. And so slowly but surely, they begin to chip away at you till you depend on them. When I tell you depend on them to, to tell you who you are, it's so true. And I, I, I always mm. use this example. My ex-husband could have told me that the sky was green, and I would have argued you down to the ground that the sky was green. Why? Because he told me it was. And so you're looking at someone mm-hmm. who may be educated and bright and smart and this light, and all of a sudden they're not that person anymore. It's because that person slowly, not immediately, chips away at who they mm-hmm. are. So when they get out of the relationship, they have to do that building process all over again. 
Um, what do you like to do? What are your favorite colors? Who are you? What's your favorite food? And it sounds really simple, but when you've been broken down to the point of nothing, you have to build yourself back up. And I encourage survivors, take your time. Build yourself back up. There's no rush. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about Stand Up Survivor and um, its mission and goals and um, who it helps and how we can be helpful to that organization. We are here with Lisa Alexander, and the number, if you have questions or comments, is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. It is Domestic Violence Month, and we are addressing the topic with Lisa Alexander. She is the founder of Stand Up the Survivor. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. Lisa, I wanted to ask you... Were there other people that you knew that, you know, while you were going through this that were also going through a situation in their own relationships? I love that you asked that question. And the answer is no, I didn't. And that, hence, is the problem, one of the reasons I started Santa Survivor, because I didn't know anybody. Or let me, let me, let me answer this differently. I didn't know anybody who said anything. Right. Mm. So that is one of the reasons I started it because slowly but surely I started talking about it on my social media channels, the friends and family and the people who came out from family members to friends who said, oh, my goodness, me, too. This is happening to me, too. Thank you for saying this. Oh, this happened to me. This, I was married to your uncle and this. I was floored. I was shocked. And, but most of all, I was very annoyed and very frustrated because I thought to mm. myself, could, you could have said something and saved me a long time ago. You could have saved mm-hmm. my children a long time ago, but you didn't say anything, and hence the name Stand Up Survivor, because it, it annoyed me probably more than it should have, because I didn't know anybody. Because I couldn't say somebody sitting next to me in the pew in church who's going through it didn't say anything. And that's what's costing people, literally costing people their lives, is that mm-hmm. silence. Yeah. So how does Stand Up Survivor work? So Stand Up Survivor is an advocacy agency, um, and we're located in downtown Orlando. And our focus really is we are a survivor-founded and led organization. Our teams are, are made up of survivors. Our viewpoint of working with survivors is just really different and something we're really proud of because we look at it in a way of what does a survivor need? 
oftentimes people want to help survivors, but they don't ask them what they need. And so we, we go from the viewpoint of what did I need? What do survivors need? And so we provide advocacy for survivors. We have a 24-hour hotline where they can call in, they can send text messages, they can ask questions. We help them assess the lethality, the dangerousness of their situation. And um, we in January, so we've been in operation for seven years here in Central Florida, providing support and advocacy to survivors. We reach almost a million people a month through our social media channel um, with domestic violence education, prevention, and awareness. We're really, really big on education because you just asked a great question. Who did you know that was going through this? Nobody. Not because nobody was going through it, but because nobody was saying anything. One of the heartbreaking things about the work that we do every day is shelters aren't available. They're full oftentimes. And not just that, shelters are short-term, about six weeks. So in January, um, one of the desires of my heart was to open a transitional home, and we did in January. Um, and it's a, a home where we have women and children there that each have their own room where um, they're able to be for up to 12 months. Um, because I say after six weeks, I didn't even know my name. There was no way I could have been in and out of a shelter and been stable at that time. So we provide a long-term provision for survivors. Um, we provide one-on-one -on -one counseling for survivors. We provide group services for survivors. Uh, we provide healing retreats for survivors because healing is imperative. And so those are just some of the things that we do here at Stand Up Survivor. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question that's probably not mm -hmm. real popular and some people may mm -hmm. think is insensitive. But okay. do you ever find people claiming abuse, trying to seek support, and and are just really – not necessarily dealing properly with their situation, and the other, and the other person is not actually um, be, uh, being abusive. Absolutely, absolutely. Any 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 agency that will tell you the truth will to answer that will be able to tell you that absolutely. You have people who are just experiencing homelessness, not just, but are experiencing homelessness, but are, are going into domestic violence shelters claiming um, domestic violence has occurred just because they need a place to live, which is actually taken mm. away from the shelter needed by survivors of abuse who are in life or death situations. And so absolutely. And you have people who, um, are not in abusive relationships, but will claim to be. Um, so we definitely see that. And so it's really important to have that discernment and have that wisdom to be able to, to know, to be able to filter through and be able to help those, those that you know, actually need the help. Okay. So now people who, who come, Stand up survivor for um, assistance for for counseling and whatnot. How how long is the um, I guess the how long are the resources available to them? Is is it a finite amount of time, or how does how does it work? Well, we have survivors that we've helped that have been been great in a week, in a month. We've had survivors that we've been working with for three or four years. I mean, it's a process, mm -hmm. and so we've had we've had survivors who've called. And one of the things that we we really focus on doing is like sometimes survivors aren't ready to leave they just want to know that number one they're not crazy but number two that if and when they're ready to leave that there's support available mm -hmm. so we've worked with survivors for almost up to a year before they made the phone call and said hey i'm ready to execute this safety plan i'm ready to go um and so okay. we work with them the entire time until they're ready to go and then when they're safe we help them after that as well um we don't ever this is an ongoing long journey that we take as survivors. And so we'll have survivors who are out and remarried and say, hey, I'm triggered today. I need to talk. Hey, I'm not doing so good. Hey, I have a court hearing. Can you guys come with me? Um, I'm, you know, I'm going back and forth with what do I do? And so it's, it's, we don't put a time limit on the services that we provide for them. 
Um, if it comes a point where they've been in counseling for a while and we feel they're ready to go into something else or maybe to move forward into something else, we will connect them with the necessary resources for that. Okay. All right. So with that being said, let me ask you, uh, have there been days or periods of time where you, you felt a little, I, I would, I'll just say unsettled, uh, you know, any, I, I would guess I would say also anything like flashbacks or anything of that nature. Okay. Is it, is it, is there anything, I guess you would say similar to what some people would uh, say P- PTSD? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the the nature of the work that I've chosen to do is 24-7 triggering, right? And so what I do is I manage my own triggers. Therapists have therapists. I'm a therapist. I have a therapist, and that's a really important component. And I tell people that all the time. There's days I can hear the most horrible stories, and some of my team and my staff will be like, like, are you, you know, like, how are you functioning? You know, but this is the nature of the work that I do, and I'm really good on self-care and taking care of my family, which is my husband and my children are my priority, and that's what keeps me focused and going, especially, of Mm -hmm. course, my faith, my relationship with Christ, because he allows me to have the peace to continue this work. Because if you're, and if you're not healed, and if you have those spaces inside of you that, that, that trigger can get in there and really destroy, um, it can be a dangerous work. So it's definitely not necessarily something advised. For, for example, there mm-hmm. was a video that went around not too long ago of an abusive, where a football girlfriend, and literally the only difference would have been my face on that woman, right? And that for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, was a very triggering moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm shutting down for the day, right? So I need to take care of myself today. So there are days like that that occur. It doesn't happen super often, but it does happen um, because of what the story that we you? hear. I'm sorry. What is self care for you? What is self care for you? Oh, what is that like to to to, I guess, uh, uh, damp- put a damper on the the effect that that type of situation has on you? What do you do? Yeah, I love spending time with my husband, laughing, and I love going to the beach with my children. And I will get it. We will do a staycation in a minute. Like we will book a hotel in a second and just go away and have family time. And I love. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. A, I'm. A, and I teach my staff the same thing. You take care of you first. Right, mm-hmm. because the, the the work that we do is risky, and I tell them that I said we you want to you risk your life for a survivor, and they will go back tomorrow, right? And so it's so mm-hmm. important that you make sure that you take care of yourself. And then I love worship. I'm I'm on the worship team at church. You know, I have amazing pastors who really cover me. So so just really, I prioritize self care because in this line of work, you have to. So yeah, I really, I really, and on the weekends, don't call me on the weekends. You know, that's my family <laughs> time in the evening because I used to work twenty four seven, and I realized absolutely not. You know, it's I have to, to be good no enough for them. Oh yeah, when when you find something that you're passionate about, it's hard it to is. say no. Um, but you do have to kind of uh, find that balance. It's, it's like yeah. um, when I finally realized what they talked about in terms of putting the oxygen oxygen mask on yourself first yes. before you could help someone else and yes. I I finally got an understanding in terms of what that was all about you know and that's mm-hmm. that's basically the same you can't help somebody else if, if you are not you know it, it together no it, it's just not possible and when you realize and sometimes it takes us burning out to realize time out something's wrong you know and there are really tough days you know like I'll tell you yesterday I think yesterday was the day I drove to work and I was like God, this is exhausting. Like, I'm feeling really tired. I need you to come. I need you to help me, you know? And you have mm-hmm. days like that, you know? And then within, and I'm like, reminding me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it, within minutes, 
you know, getting to the office, talking to survivors. And, and you know, sometimes you just need that reminder is I'm doing what I'm doing because I know it's life-saving work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So how how do you get support? How does Stand Up Survivor get support to continue to provide services? So for the past seven years, the majority of our funds have come from donations. So we're talking about donations from agencies, I mean, from, like, people who know us, family, friends, from social media donations, Facebook birthday fundraisers. Literally, that's what we've operated on. Most recently, we've applied and, and received some grants. But the majority of us is people just saying, you know, we want to sew into the, the, the work. We want to donate. We want to support. And that's what we do from keeping the lights on at our shelter to paying the rent on our shelter to paying the rent in our office. It's donations. And I, I really think it's important that people know that. You know, we're not a big, huge agency and getting millions of dollars. We're literally rely on the donations from the community to do the work that we do. And it's, it's hard. You know, if you act, it's hard because it's just hard because people don't necessarily want to donate or they'd rather donate to the big names that they know, not realizing that there's smaller organizations right here in the community that are doing the work. Um, and so that's right. the majority of, the, of what we do is, is donations. Yeah. And then also, too, the work that you do, do you require volunteers, and are, and are those volunteers screened? We do. We do screen our volunteers. We do have volunteer opportunities. Uh, we also have, like, a, high, a hygiene and clothing closet, right? And so that's one of the needs for us to have people come in there and keep us, keep, help us keep it organized. It's free for human trafficking and sex trafficking survivors here in Orange County as well as domestic violence survivors. So a closet full of free clothing, shoes, hygiene products, deodorant, it's all packed. And they can shop it. You know, their case managers can shop for them. And so we everything. So we have volunteers that come in and help us in our office. We love our volunteers. That is how people learn about the work that we do and how the community can get involved as well. Okay. How do you keep, I guess, well, uh, first of all, before I do that, I want to ask you something about your ex. Do oh. you see your ex? Do you ever run into your ex? What's the status I- with your connection with your ex? Okay, so he's the father of my children, right? So uh, he's supposed to take them for, he's court-ordered to take them for, you know, visitation. He does not. He hasn't since we got divorced, so he sees them from time to time. He still lives in the area. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I don't really have a relationship with him at all. Um, He's just Mm -hmm. still very unhealthy to me. Um, And so we don't have any communication. The children are old enough. They have cell phones. So if they want to communicate with him or he wants to communicate with them, he has access to do so. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I was just curious about that. And yeah. just going also back to your relationship with your current husband, mm-hmm. did you test him with, yeah. with, with the background that you can? Did you test him? Uh, back immediately, what, I did. <laughs> what is, can you describe a little bit? Maybe I mean, not you don't have to go into detail, but how does how does that process work for someone? coming out of an abusive relationship, trying to move forward with their lives and, and, you know, wanting to have a loving relationship and not wanting to repeat, you know, what, mm-hmm. what you did in the past. What well, that's a great question, and absolutely, I background screen him. You can't be afraid to do the things you you can't risk it again, right? In my opinion, so right. I definitely did a I did a great paid, extensive background screening on him, and um, I went into I went into the relationship with eyes wide open. If I saw it, I said it. If I had questions, I asked it, um, and I really just allowed God to just 
guide me as far as that was concerned. I was open to dating. I didn't say I'm going to date exclusively this person and that's going to be it. Um, I knew what I wanted. I remember asking God, I really wanted someone who was really kind and nice. And it sounds simple, but when you've been in an abusive relationship with someone who just doesn't like you and treats you really mean, some of your requests may sound really simple and even silly to some. And I married a kind-hearted man, you know, who loves me and loves my children. He was just a great person. Um, and so and I, people ask me, someone asked me the other day, it's really important that you know who you are so that you mm-hmm. know what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept so that when you see the things that you don't want in your life and you're not willing to accept, that you're okay and comfortable saying, that's not okay with me. I'm sorry. That, that That's not going to work for me. You know, and I still have things that trigger me, you know. I don't like being cursed at or yelled at or slamming doors. And my husband, he understands that, you know. I may over-explain myself about where I'm going or what I'm doing. He's like, babe, it's okay. You know, I'll see you when you get back. And so you just – and, you know, he tell, he'll, he'll tell when he talks about it. He'll say, listen, when she told me that she was a survivor of abuse, I started researching how to date someone, how to deal with someone who's experienced abuse because we're different. We, we need to be dealt with differently in every sense of the word. And so he did his own mm-hmm. personal research as far as that's concerned. And it's important that you find someone who's understanding of that. And my husband makes me feel safe, which I, had, which I hadn't felt in decades, you know. And so it was really important for me to feel safe in my relationship, and he does that for me. I, I don't feel afraid at all because I know that, you know, he keeps me safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. And I know I'm bouncing around, but just so many different things okay. as you're talking kind of popping in my head. Um mm-hmm. With regard, because of your education now, um, with regards to your ex, mm-hmm. do you think he has some mental illness involved in in his, you know, personality? Um, I I'd say no. I would say no, and then no. I don't think he's a narcissist either. Everyone loves that word, and they're using it a lot these days. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the diagnosis criteria is pretty significant, and so I'd say no. Um, oftentimes, domestic violence can be a learned behavior, and it also can be a, a choice. Drugs or alcohol don't make them do it. Um, and even though they saw it growing up, they have they can make a choice to do the opposite. And so, no, I would not say that he is. You know, I'm not a you know psychiatrist, but I okay. would say no. You know, he he. Okay. You know, it's a choice. It's an intentional choice because, for example, he didn't abuse his boss. He didn't abuse his. You know, other. He chose to abuse me, right? And so, mm-hmm. in front of who he wanted to, and and then when he didn't want to, and you know, so it was definitely an intentional choice. Okay. So now I've come at this from the clinical side, so I'm going to come at this mm-hmm. from the other side because you, you've mentioned church and, you, you know, and Christianity and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was evil? Well, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily evil. I think he makes bad okay. choices and intentionally hurts and intentionally hurts. You know, women, that's, that's, I think, is an intentional choice. You know, even mm-hmm. if we go from the spiritual side, you know, I, and, and people ask all the time, like, absolutely anything. And so I, I, when people ask me, do I think abuse is contained, I'll give them a statistic. But I'll also say that I believe anything is possible. But the only person that can choose to change is the abuser. Do I think he can change? Absolutely. Do I think he, it took a long time, probably after we got divorced, he'd written me a letter and shared that and acknowledged the fact that he was abusive and the things that he's done, which never happened throughout the relationship. He was not the kind of abuser who brought roses and flowers and apologized, you know, so mm. it wasn't that that wasn't part of my story where I was like, oh, well, he brought me flowers and I just came back in his arms. No, he would say, I won't do it again. You know, I'm changing. I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll go to counseling or whatever. And I went back. I mean, I left over a dozen times before I actually left for good. 
Um, an average mm-hmm. is seven times for a woman before they leave for good. So wow. I think he intentionally makes bad choices that he can get away with. And another thing is there's no consequences for action. Um, I, didn't follow, I didn't follow through with my restraining order. I didn't, there were things that I wish that I would have done um, now, that I, now, that now that I know, you know, that abuse continues. It wasn't a Lisa problem, you know. It's a him problem. And so I always tell survivors, follow through with the restraining order. Follow the charges. And I tell the law enforcement, hold them accountable the first time. There was a horrible story most recently that happened, and um, he was, the, the abuser was arrested, and they let him out on bail. The next day he killed her, shot her dead in front of her children. And, um, again, mm-hmm. that could sound like a million stories because it happens all the time. So mm-hmm. if we hold them on bail, if we, if we lock them up and make them accountable for their actions, they're more likely to face the consequences of it. Oh, dear. So, um, (laughs) you know, you you wish there was a simple solution to this. Mm -hmm. And and you wonder, you know, I mean, especially in a Christian environment, you get taught constantly about how we are supposed to treat people, how we're supposed to love our neighbors, uh, you know, and, and, you know, treat, uh, you know, other people uh, as you, you would have them treat you. Yet still we are in this battle um, to the point where we have to have an official must acknowledge it. But, I mean, we need to do more than that. So um, what do you, being in a situation and now being an advocate to try to help, what things can you tell people in terms of how they can help? Well, first of all, I would say, for example, exactly what you're doing. If you have a platform, whether you have a radio show, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher, a guidance counselor, what you're a business owner bring in an expert that can educate and provide support for those people that are experiencing it in your community in your faith-based organization in your in your company you know it's really important that the resources and the support is made for those who are experiencing abuse you know and Mm -hmm. education is key education without that education people will continue to be in the relationship provide spaces honestly have this conversation and get the help that they need. If we don't tell them what it is, they will not know. And also, if you look at murder-suicides that happen, if you look at going into people going into businesses and shooting the place up, a lot of the time it's domestic violence related or began as domestic violence. And so if, we're, if these organizations and companies are educated as to what to look out for, how can I support a survivor in my agency, in my organization? And I always tell, especially pastors and ministers, you don't have to know everything. Know someone who does. If you have someone who comes in your office and says, hey, they're experiencing domestic violence, say, hey, pick up, call this number, call this agency, um, get help from them. And I'm going to throw this in there because domestic violence should not be a couple's counsel, in couples counseling. If a couple ever comes to a leader or a counselor and says, we're having problems in our marriage and domestic violence is involved, having couples counseling with a domestic violence couple is extremely dangerous for the victim and can can Mm. increase the abuse that they're experiencing. Oftentimes, ministry leaders will say, hey, we'll do couples counseling, and it's so dangerous. So get them out to an expert that can really help them and guide them, and your number one concern should be the safety of that victim, not what it looks like on the outside. So. Provide spaces to, to provide support. Get educated. You don't have to know everything. I'm not an expert on a lot of things. What I'll do is I'll make a phone call and find an expert so that I can provide the support needed for that person. Is there a typical victim um, income level 
ethnicity. It is is there, you know, something that leans more one way towards the other? Yeah, absolutely not. Nothing at all. There is no um, specific race, social economic status, gen. There is nothing that will say it will happen to them. When I tell you, I've sat, I've sat across from attorneys and doctors. I've sat across from, um, you know, home homemakers at home, from teachers, from, from lawyers that have experienced domestic violence. I, I mean, when I tell you they have the biggest houses, the biggest yachts, and can't figure out how to navigate life outside of an, an abusive relationship, don't even know what to do. So it touches every – I mean, first ladies are experiencing it from their from their own pastor husband. So it's happening in all different layers. It's happening from the pulpit all the way down. And initially, my domestic my dissertation research for my doctorate was domestic violence and the black church. And a lot of that research, I found that it's not being spoke about from the pulpit because there's so much going on mm. within the church that you may have to, uh, uh, you know, unleash some secret things happening. And no one wants to do that, so they don't talk about it. But if one in three women are experiencing a domestic violence, it's happening in every space in the world. So, um, yeah, that's my answer. That's my answer to that. So. It touches everybody. Oh. Okay. And there's, All right. there's no shame. I want to tell whoever's listening, you know, that will listen. There's no shame in being, you did nothing wrong, right? Um, so there's mm-hmm. no shame in no matter your position or who you are. If you're experiencing abuse, you deserve to live a healed, free, and safe life. So. So, all right. How do we contact you? How do we contact um, Stand Up Survivor? How to how do we donate? How in terms of monetarily donate the clothes? And I know in certain situations, I, I guess you don't reveal a lot because you're trying to protect um, those that are, are are seeking your help. But what can mm-hmm. what information can you give us? Well, absolutely. I mean, our, we're located downtown in the Milk District um, in downtown Orlando. Um, and our phone number is 321-430-5307. Everything, we're on social media, and our website is standupsurvivor.org. On Instagram, Facebook, we are Stand Up Survivor. And, again, if you just want to jump on our social media and kind of read a little bit, hear some of the stories and realize that you're not alone, you may not be ready to leave. You may not be ready to to get the help just yet, but know that when you are ready, that help is available. Um, you can donate um, through with Stand Up Survivor through all of our, you know, Venmo, Cash App, Zell, and it's all located on our donate button as well on our social media and our website. Um, as far as volunteering, the same. We have volunteer opportunities in our office and in our closet as well. So, um, yeah, those are some of the ways. I have to go back to one thing. Um, sure. Restraining orders. Mm-hmm. Do they really work? Oh, goodness. So how do I say this without saying this but saying this? So Restraining orders can be effective, absolutely. Are restraining orders what some people would like to say uh, uh, simply a piece of paper? Yes, but the, the piece of paper holds weight, right? And so I would encourage you to get it because without that piece of paper, quote-unquote, protection, you don't have any. So if they show up where you are, if they're within a certain amount of feet from you, you can call the police and say, hey, I have this restraining order in place. Do abusers care? Oftentimes they don't. But without that paper, what do you have? So I always encourage survivors to get that. But also, right, um, mm-hmm. donate to organizations such as ours so that we can provide a safe place for the survivor to go because they can have a restraining order and still have to go to work the next day or still have to go back home and the abuser knows where they live. So without having mm-hmm. safe places for survivors to go, what are we really telling them? 
I get at least a dozen phone calls a day for survivors looking for safe places to go. And they're calling me after they've also called other shelters that have also told them that they were full. But it's a heartbreaking reality of what domestic violence is really looking like in our community, in our world. So we need to invest in making sure that, number one, our young boys and young girls are educated on what domestic violence looks like so that they know what a healthy relationship is. And I told you one in three women experience abuse, but also one in three teenagers and young people in college are experiencing domestic violence. And one in four mm. men. So really high all the way around. So to act like this is not a, a 911 emergency, I think is really doing a disservice to, to us as a community. So, yeah. Follow us training well, water. <laughs> well, well, so do you have any events? I mean, and I, I know it's late in the month, so I, I and I we sorry we didn't connect sooner. Do you have any events going on this month? Any anything else we later? We do. This month? Yeah, we do. Okay. So on the thirtieth of this month, we are doing our annual um, benefit dinner um, at Cooper's Hawk, and so you can find information about grab a ticket for that. The tickets are available online as well as. Um, sponsorships are available still as well. And it's a great. We have survivor speakers who are going to be sharing about their journey through our agency, learning about our programs. So it's dinner and, and, and silent auction. It's going to be a great evening. So seats are limited. So definitely we would love to have some people in attendance to learn more about the work that we do and really partner with us to continue this work. Lisa Alexander, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it, and, and God bless thank you and the work so that you do. And, and uh, congratulations for, for being a survivor and, and taking, you know, your experience and, and making uh, a way for others to, to be able to get help. And um, also congratulations on the success of your marriage and your relationship. And um, we you. pray for that continued success as well. Amen. Thank you very Amen. much. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much for having me, and thank you for, for opening the platform for this conversation, this much-needed conversation. I guarantee much that it's going to save some lives, so thank you so much. I hope so. God bless. God bless and you thank too. you all for listening. Uh, tomorrow, Tech Thursday with Burton Kelso, this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.